I was feeling inspired after another fun coaching call yesterday where I was talking to a business that makes multiple millions of dollars. Believe it or not, sometimes I do help other businesses beyond therapists, but the lesson still applies to you if you're in private practice. And it's actually something I've been wanting to talk about for a long time because it's something we've been addressing a lot with our individual coaching clients and in our boot camp with our boot campers. There are common mistakes that we see happening. And what I loved about my coaching call yesterday was that even in what you could have the most successful revenue, you can still be making these mistakes and it's holding you back. And there's three of them that come to mind. And one of them I really want to focus on today, but lack of planning for scale. So if you are solo in private practice right now, everything that you set up, start thinking about, could somebody else come in and do this too? Could I have two clinicians be doing the same work? Is it really clear? Is it really laid out? Is the process of communication, the tools that I'm using, would a team be able to just kind of come on in and continue to run with the plans that I've made? I think sometimes that we think that we're just going to stay small and then uh, it comes time to grow and you have to revamp a lot of processes, tools, and think through new things when if you start from the beginning, start thinking about how could this grow eventually? Am I laying a foundation for that? You'll be much more set for success. So when I was doing the coaching call yesterday, how this manifested for this business owner is they had kept the team that was doing a lot of the marketing very insular. They hadn't thought about doing their team structure in a different way so that you were maximizing the job positions that you had. So some of the communication was a little, it wasn't functioning well because the processes were really clunky. Um, nobody knew who was leading who. There was no plan in place for like leadership and who was responsible to answer to who and those kinds of things. So there was just a lack of the plan. It was sort of like, hey, we're making more money. Let's just go with it and we'll figure it out later. And so now they've hit kind of like a wall where they can't grow anymore until they kind of clean up. And I see this happen with group practice owners. It's sort of, hey, the phone's ringing. I'm going to hire a clinician. The phone's still ringing. I'm going to hire a clinician. We'll work out the details later. Instead of really understanding all the implications for that kind of growth and how you want to pace your growth so that you can handle it and do it well. The other thing is that people tend to hire based on the person they want to hire. That's my dog. Isn't my dog amazing? Based on the person they want to hire instead of creating the position for the business. So I see this time and time again with a group practice owner. They have a friend, a colleague, someone comes to them, asks to work with them, and they think, okay, that's awesome. I'll hire you. Instead of thinking about what their business really needs. So one of the things we talk about in bootcamp is there is a kind of growth plan. So for some of my group practice owners, they start out with an assistant. It frees up the time of the leader, the owner of the practice so that they can train and lead their staff. Other people, they have their systems in place that they don't really need an assistant right away. So they they hire the staff first, but you have to think through in terms of your resources, what you need to hire first so that you can grow with more ease. 
And then when you start hiring, you have to do the same thing that we recommend that you do when you're marketing your practice. You wanna find the ideal client, right? So you think about who they are, what they're struggling with, what solution you provide in the transformation they experience. Well, how would you apply that if you were hiring? Think about your group practice. You're gonna walk into it. Who's showing up there? Who are the clients there? Who are the clinicians that are serving those clients? What are their personalities? What are their skills? When are they there? Are they there in the mornings? Are they there in the evenings? What's their experience? What kind of supervision happens? What does it feel like to be with this team? Then you can start to think of how big do you really want this to grow? And then you can start to identify the key players on your team. For some of you, your group practice is gonna be highly niched. So for example, a group practice that only works with couples, every therapist in there is couples trained. Others may be more broad where you work with any kind of family, the individual, the child, the parent, you have therapists that can address all of those. You have to think through the positions first that you need. And then you can start to think about, well, then what's the order in which I fill them? Oftentimes it's what's the lowest hanging fruit. So for example, if you are already getting a lot of calls, I have a clinician right now who's getting a lot of calls for teens. They don't see teens. And so we're recognizing that that's gonna be the first part to fill is a teen therapist. And then I have them go through and really think through the psychographic profile of who this person is that they're gonna be working with. And then from there you create the job description and then you create the financial plan and really understand what you're going to pay them. And this comes into the other aspect of valuing your team member. <clears throat> you value them by laying this foundation, by setting them up for success, by making it easy to come into your business and do the work that they're meant to do. And you also value them through good solid pay. One of the things that we want to change that Miranda and I are both passionate about is the way we treat our staff. We don't need to perpetuate the idea that you have to suffer and that you have to pay your dues before you get paid well, whether you're pre-licensed, newly licensed, or new to private practice, does not matter. You need to value your team member. However, you also still have to keep the doors open. So you need a financial plan that figures out how you value the team member financially and how you still stay profitable. Then from there, then you put an application and interview process in place. So you create questions that weed out the people that it would not be a good fit. Sometimes it's easier for people to think about what they don't want than what they do want in a position. Um, so you can start there too if that helps. The application will help you just pick the top three to five people who have applied to interview. And that interview, you're gonna create questions again to further drill down to make sure that this person aligns with the job position. Too often, for example, when I was talking to this person yesterday, we were looking at their team and they had basically hired a bunch of friends it worked for a while, but now the team is needing some more specialized positions. And they were saying, well, maybe I could fit that person in there. Maybe I could. And I was like, no, we need to figure out what the positions are, what the business really needs to do well to serve the community. And then we go through the hiring process. And if you hire that person back into that position, great. And if not, then 
it's time to restructure and let things go. And that can be so hard. But at the same time, if you want your team to function well, we've got to make the changes. So if you're in group practice, I really want you to think about the positions you need in your business in order for it to do well. You may have an assistant, you may have a clinical supervisor, you may have the clinicians and the different types of clinicians that provide the services. You may have um, a director of services. You may have a marketing person. There's lots of different positions to think about, but you've really got to come at it from what do you need in order to serve your community well. You create those positions and then you find the right people. You don't let the people dictate what your business is going to become. Otherwise, that's where the chaos sets in. And then when you do bring them on, you value them which means you lay out the processes ahead of time. You think through what the boundaries are. This is what we do clinically with our clients, right? That's what the informed consent is all about, is saying, hey, I thought about this, and this is at least the basic structure in which we're going to work together. I've done some of the work ahead. That's how I'm showing you that I'm taking care of you and how I'm, I'm doing my due diligence and and providing the space for you to do what you need to do here in your therapy. Same thing it's going to be as a leader in a group practice. You want to create the structure and say, I've thought through, I put some processes in place. There's things so you don't walk around confused all the time. Oftentimes when we get frustrated with our staff, it's just a lack of communication or a lack of clarity. So something got missed along the way. So it's a good time to go back and review your processes. And let me just say, that stuff is never going to end because things change. Your business grows and the need for different structures will appear as the growth happens. But if you can start planning that ahead of time, you'll reduce a lot of the chaos in your business. So this is something that these areas are things I've seen in all kinds of businesses, not just private practices. We're not unique. We're not, we're human. <laughs> so in a multi-million dollar business to the tiniest of private practices, I've seen these things where people don't plan ahead. They don't think about putting some processes in place. They don't do the financial planning. They don't think about the avatar, that ideal client or that ideal staff member that they want to hire. And they kind of make decisions and then work their way back to fix. And I just want you to encourage you to be a little bit more proactive and know that every time you hit like a growth spurt, you're gonna revamp this each time. So you'll be thinking about new processes, you'll be thinking about new positions as you grow, and then you stabilize for a little while, and then you start to plan for the next phase, and it's a constant cycle that never ends. But I don't want you to have to struggle with it if I can help you just start to think ahead of time about some things that you can do that'll make growing your private practice much more smooth. So it comes down to processes, intention and in who you hire and how you hire, and then how you value that team through providing processes for them, boundaries for them, good supervision and great pay. Great pay that works for them and for you as the business owner. So that's all I have for today. This is about creating a fabulous business that serves both the community, the clients, your staff and employees, and your life.